Welcome to Fireside Nets, the number one Brooklyn Nets podcast out there for all your news, reactions, opinions, breakdowns. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He is Peter. I call him Pete. And you know what, Pete? It's actually election day today. It's Tuesday the 7th. A little bit different. We usually record on Mondays. Uh, I was out of it yesterday. I tested positive for COVID. Don't worry, everyone. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine, but uh, yeah, recording on on a Tuesday afternoon or, or Tuesday early evening instead. How are you doing on this this fine election day with absolutely zero basketball? Uh, I, I listen. I was off of work. That was good, very good, right? No basketball, very bad. I didn't realize how bad it would be that you know having one day of no basketball at all. It's like I'm having withdrawals. I, I don't like it. I need to get back to some basketball. I really don't think they should do this again. I, I, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm upset. So a few things here. Um, <laughs> I keep looking at the schedule, hoping that games are just going to pop up and it keeps staying blank and it, and it keeps bothering me. Like I go to my, my Yahoo fantasy basketball app and I'm looking at all my players and it says no games today. And I'm like, that's, Doesn't that's not right. Weird? It feels so weird. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Cause I'm the type where even if the nets aren't playing, I'll throw on the warriors game. I'll throw on the Spurs mm. game. I'll, I'll watch the Boston Celtics. I'll take a look at the competition in the East. Uh, but having no basketball on yeah, it's, it's terrible. And in terms of voting and, and the, you know, it's election day. Listen, if you live in America, you have the right to vote. That is, that is an absolute right. And I, you know, I support everyone who goes out and, and, and votes for the, the people that, you know, they want to lead us in, in the government, both local and federal and what have you. But there is an amazing, you know, moment and curb your enthusiasm. I don't know if you're, if you're a fan, Pete, uh, where Larry David lines up to vote and there's a big line and he goes to the person in front of him. He goes, who are you voting for? And the guy says somebody's name and Larry David goes, I'm voting for the other guy. We cancel each other out. Why don't we, uh, you know, we cut our losses and go get some lunch. And I, every now, I can't get that scene out of my head. Every time there's an election, I just think I'm going to go online. There's going to be someone right next to me voting for somebody else. We should just both leave. <laughs> I'm not a big Curb fan, but but I, I like Larry David, so I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> it was, was, a, it was an amazing scene. And I'm not going to tell anybody if I voted or not today, so you can you guys can figure that out for yourselves. I'm sure Pete did. He had off, so it makes more sense. All right. Who knows? Who knows? Again, I, I, it was an assumption on my end. Let's let's get to these these roller coaster nets. Um, the title of this episode, I think, it's extremely fitting, Pete. It's we know everything and nothing about these Brooklyn Nets, and and I think it's extremely accurate. We're, we're three and four right now on the season. Wins against Charlotte, Chicago, and Miami, and then four losses against Boston and Milwaukee, the top two teams in the East. Dallas, a top team in the West, and what is our fourth loss? It was Cleveland. Cleveland on opening night. That's our opening, yeah, the first game of the season. So three and four. We just we just played Milwaukee last night, Monday night. We played them hard. I uh, took the loss. 
Let's let's get into that. So the final Milwaukee Bucks Brooklyn Nets score, it was I believe it was one twenty nine to one twenty five. Correct, Pete. I have it right in front of me right now. That is correct, sir. I got the memory of a gazelle. One twenty nine, one twenty five. The Bucks take it. This was this was a close game throughout. That the Nets actually, I don't want to say the word dominated because that's the wrong word to use, but they won the first quarter and the second quarter um, of this ball game. I think they outscored Milwaukee by three points in each quarter. It wasn't until that that third quarter where Milwaukee really cut into the lead. They outscored the Nets thirty three to twenty seven in the third, and then they outscored the Nets thirty three to thirty one in the fourth. I'm sorry. In the second quarter, we outscored them by one. In the first quarter, we outscored them by three. So, you, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty of the, of the game in a second. But, Pete, what were your overall thoughts uh, after this this four point loss from your Brooklyn Nets? CT is real. Forty five points, seventeen points. Uh, what am I? Seventeen points. Seventeen of thirty three from the field. Six of sixteen from three. Bridges put up thirty one points. Uh, Giannis is a dirty player. He put up 36 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Dane put up 21 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Uh, he didn't have a great game. I thought the Nets actually did a very good job defensively. But uh, this is what happens when you have superstar talent on the other side. You just have these games that just get squeaked out. I think the Nets had a 10-point lead pretty late in the game. Uh, did you feel this was like a choke job? I didn't feel like it was a choke job. But if the talent was equal, I might be a lot uh, – I might feel a little different. Uh, I think it was a 10-point game in the third quarter. Something and then like what that, happened yeah. was Milwaukee – because the score was 89-79. to 79. That was the score. Milwaukee then immediately erased that. I, I, like I, I think they closed out – I don't know how what the exact point total was, was they closed it out, but they went on like a 10-1 run, I think, um, and they opened the fourth quarter, you know, con- continuing to score as well. Uh, you know, from the Bucks side of things, Giannis Antetokounmpo, dirty, whatever you want to call him. I mean, he did have some dirty plays. He's unstoppable. He, he feasts upon the nets. It's weird. Like since the big three and since that wild playoff series from a few years ago, I feel like he takes these matchups personally, despite the fact that no one from that, that big three team is, is still on this roster. Um, realistically. So, he just he just bullies us, you know. I, I view Giannis as I don't know, Pete, if you played pickup football growing up, but there was always there was there was always that one kid that was bigger and stronger than everybody else, and he would just beat the crap out of people, and you almost didn't want to let him play because he was so bigger and stronger and more abusive and just absolutely kicked the shit out of everybody. That's Giannis to me. L- like the next biggest guy after Giannis in this game was Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons does not play anywhere close to the way Giannis plays, right? He Giannis got bullied a couple times. I thought he, he did, did a good job, but he got bullied a little bit. Did, did you see that on inside? Yes. I mean, I, I watched the game. Ben Simmons is not looking for contact on the offensive end. I think he's okay with contact on the defensive end of the ball, but he's not looking to seek out contact on the offensive side of the ball. Giannis is looking not only to bang with the person guarding him, he's looking to like get hit by three guys before he dunks it in our face. So just unbelievable performance for him. 30, 36 points, 12 rebounds. Um, he, he was one of seven from three-point range, but the one three he hit, it, it just seemed like a dagger. Nets were up three with about four minutes, 
30 seconds left. Uh, Giannis misses a three. He gets the tip out, has a second opportunity, makes the three. Um, to answer your question, Pete, I don't think this was a choke job. I, I, I think that, you know, like you said, the, the, the superstar firepower from Milwaukee beat the sort of support system for the Nets. What was funny about this game was up until this game, the Nets bench was the story, right? Everyone from this, from Lonnie Walker to, to Trendon Watford, who didn't play tonight, um, but guys like Royce O'Neal coming in, giving the Nets really good minutes. He's, he's been a leader off the bench for this team. Dennis Smith Jr. gave the Nets good minutes. Dayron Sharp has come in, and he's been great. The Nets bench was not amazing in this game. You got 19 points from Lonnie Walker um, and then 12 points from Royce O'Neal. Outside of that, Dayron Sharp and Dennis Smith Jr. were the only other two guys to see the floor. Sharp had four points. No, no rebounds. Dennis Smith Jr. had two points. They, they really weren't existent in this game. The reason the Nets were able to compete and basically outscore Milwaukee for, for almost you know two, two and a half quarters was because Cam Thomas, like you said, went God mode. 45 points for Cam. And Mikhail Bridges finally gave us the game that I had been waiting for. 31 points from him, 12 of 21 from the field, one of five from three. You would like to see the, that, that three-point stroke improve a little bit. The Nets shot the ball 16 of 45 as a team from three. But overall, a really good offensive game from Bridges. I had been waiting for him to, to, to have a game like this where he was present for all four quarters. There wasn't a quarter where I, where I thought, where the hell is Mikael Bridges? Why hasn't he touched the ball? He had a key bucket down the stretch in the fourth that kept things close. Um, he had a really good first quarter. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter. Uh, overall, was was really pleased with sort of that one-two punch between him, him and Cam Thomas. And though that kind of performance, it your your bench doesn't have to play super well if your two leading scorers are going to combine for 76 points. Um, I think what might have killed the Nets is outside of of Lonnie Walker and Royce O'Neal, who were the only two other Nets in double figures. There was there was no real support uh, scoring-wise from anybody else. Dorian Finney-Smith finally went cold. He only had seven points. He was 3 of 12 from the field. Tough missed layup at the end. What did what did you think of – so to give everyone context, Nets are down two. They get a defensive rebound with about 35 seconds left, 30 seconds. Ben Simmons gets the board, and he throws a pass to Dorian Finney-Smith, who was ahead of the pack – not by a lot. Giannis was was on his tail. He had a chance to go up with the layup. He catches it, pauses, pump fakes. Nobody goes for it. Takes a tough contested layup over Giannis. And I forget who the other defender was. Giannis gets the board. That was essentially the game right there. But what did you think of the first thing, the decision by Simmons to, 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 to get the ball ahead and go to DFS in that moment in crunch time? He had a chance to slow it down, give it to Cam, give it to McHale. He didn't. And then what did you think of the DFS missed layup? Who's more at fault there? Uh, I don't think anybody's at fault. Dorian Finney-Smith has been pretty clutch in his career. He's been pretty hot with us until this game. I, I can't kill the guy from, for having an off game. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. What if he catches the ball and, you know, he winds up getting fouled and it's an and one? Then we're all looking at this very differently, right? It's just, it's tough. It's just tough to go back on it. 
I think Ben, I think the story of it is Ben only taking what, like four shots the entire game. I think that's the story. Like I, there was one sequence that he was driving, had almost a daylight on a dunk and he wound up kicking it out to Cam Thomas. And I think the whole arena just screamed because this guy did not put it on I don't I don't know what's wrong with him, man. I, I don't know what's wrong with Ben Simmons. He this guy cannot make 35 million and only have four shots. I'm sorry, he's doing other stuff, yeah, but that's the story. That that's it's not Doreen Finney Smith. It's Ben Simmons not putting up enough shots. I think that's where the issue is. Yeah, um I, I, I want to talk about No, 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 you're not. You're not you're not. You're not t- you're not because I want to get into Ben Simmons. It's mm-hmm. a very, very controversial topic right now. With that specific play, I didn't like the decision by Ben to push the ball. In that moment of the game with, with less than 35, 40 seconds left, possessions are extremely valuable. Get the ball to Camp Thomas, get the ball to Mikhail Bridges, let them work. I, I, I understand the Nets, they like to push the pace. That's that's their personality, that's their identity. But in that moment, if you're Ben Simmons. Giannis is, is one of the best chase down block artists in the game. Uh, nothing against DFS. I would have liked to see him pull it out. He already knew he was down there with the trees. And no matter what, that was going to be a tough layup. And if he goes up, you know, as he catches the ball and just goes up in, in that same motion, there's a chance he gets stuffed. I understood why he didn't do that. So I, I don't love the decision by Ben, and I, I wish DFS kicked it out. Um by the way, I he thought, was for five in the fourth, by the way, during Finney's. Who was that? During Finney's. I didn't, and again, I didn't even know that. You you live with that because we've seen what he's done this year when he's on. So it's it's okay him missing shots. Um, if he's open, you, you want him to shoot those threes. I thought that Mikhail and Cam Thomas down the stretch did what they needed to do to, to win this basketball game. I think Cam oh, yeah. missed the, he missed, I think, a three late, and then he missed the layup. Um, when they tried to go the quick, they were down three. They tried to get a quick two. He missed the layup, and I think he missed he missed a three down the stretch that hit back iron. Um, so I have no problem. Like Mikhail and Cam Thomas played damn near perfect basketball to me. I, I wouldn't have changed anything those guys did. Ben Simmons. It's so funny because where you look on Twitter, you're going to get a different perspective on Ben Simmons. There are people such as you and me who I think are in the same category where we, we look at Ben Simmons, we say, yeah, look at the amount of money we're paying him. Look at all the things that have been said throughout the offseason. I'm going to get back to all-star form. I'm feeling like, you know, like I used to feel. Spencer Dinwiddie, oh, this team will go as far as, as Ben Simmons takes us. Comments like that, you know, we want Ben to be aggressive, X, Y, and Z. And he comes out, and, and I, I don't know why. Did you see when Yes put up the stat line? It was the key matchup of the game, and it was Giannis's stats and Ben's stats. Did you see that? I did not see that. That's that's. Oh best. my god! Tough, tough look on whoever is in charge of programming there. At the time, Giannis had like 28, 29 points, and Ben Simmons had uh, two points. So it's like twenty-eight points, two points. You had you had Ben with with his fifteen rebounds and and Giannis with his twelve, whatever. But it was just such such a tough. How can the key matchup be one player outscoring the other player by twenty six points? I don't know. You, you know they're gonna do that for for the drama. You know it looks horrible. Then people get engaged. They they tweet it out. You know that's it's for engagement, I guess. Right. It it was a tough graphic, but basically to end my point, depending where you look. You and me think Ben Simmons needs to be needs to be more aggressive offensively, take some shots. 
Then you have a whole nother side of, of Nets Twitter who have no problem with his performance in this game. And they're like, you know what? And, and I don't want to name names, but there are a lot of people out there, a lot of people on Nets Twitter who are like, guys, we lost this game by four points. Ben Simmons not shooting more is not the issue. He's getting guys open. He had how many? Ass- he, he didn't have a ton of assists in this game. He only had three. four assists in the no four. Oh, right, I'm right. I'm seeing four in my box score. Three personal fouls. Um, but he he he's he's picking guys. You know he's getting guys open. He's he's pushing the pace. He's doing these little things. Who cares if he's not scoring? Who cares how much is is he getting paid? Three out of our four losses have been extremely close losses. And and you know. It, it, I guess the reason the Nets aren't losing to these people's point is not because Ben Simmons isn't scoring more. So it just depends on where you look. You get a different perspective on what Ben Simmons is currently giving this Brooklyn Nets team. I saw this stat on Twitter. I forgot who put it up. I think it was Doug Norrie put it up. I think Ben Simmons is like 12th in the NBA in rebounding and top 20 in assist. Like he is really focusing on those two areas. And listen, it's, he's going insane on it, right? He's going insane, getting guys open, whatever, creating. I like that. I get it. I like it. I love the rebounding. This team need the rebounding. He had 15 rebounds, three offensive rebounds. Uh, listen, he's got to do a little bit more. He can't take three shots the entire game. That's it. At least take five shots. At least, you know, come on, get at least to eight points. Give me eight points, and I could live with that. It's, it's a very interesting topic because in one sense, he's giving you exactly what you need. He's a guy, he, he, he gets guys running, he gets guys open, he gets them involved. He's setting a screen on almost every possession. But at the same time, look how the Bucks played him defensively. They walk away from him when he has the ball, right? At, at the end of the day, he's so non-existent in the half-court offense like you value the rebounding, you value the assists, you value the pace, but it's almost like we're four on five when, when he's on offense. And and that for me outweighs, you know, the other parts of what he's giving the Nets. Cause I think who's not on the floor, Pete, who can be giving the Nets a little bit more of a scoring punch? Spencer Dinwiddie. We can talk about it. This um, is a, a, a another disap- another disappearing act from Dinwiddie. Three points. Three points, three, uh, four shot attempts in 24 minutes. So Ben, you know, out, out outplayed in terms of minutes, Spencer Dinwiddie by nine, right? He only shot three times. Dinwiddie shot four times. Ben had 15 rebounds. So obviously you're getting the rebounding with Ben and and, and you're getting the, you know, the assists with Ben that you're not seeing with Dinwiddie. But in, in, in crunch time, would, would you want, I, I would want Dinwiddie on the floor instead you of Guess how many minutes he got in the fourth? Zero. Zero. He got zero minutes in the fourth quarter. He was his plus minus was plus 13. I think that was the best on the team. Yeah, it's best on the team, but he didn't get any minutes in in the fourth. Little weird, no? It is weird. You know, the one thing I'll say about Jacques Vaughn and, and these players, he has, it seems like he has them all bought in to whatever their roles are on any given night. I don't know if that's going to last, right? With Dinwiddie playing pretty damn well, I, I again, I, I think Doug Norrie posted this. I think he statistically, from an efficiency standpoint, yeah, I, I think that. Dinwiddie's been the most efficient net so far. Um, a guy, you know, Lonnie Walker right now. We're seven games in, and if we were to dub a six man of the year, 
it might be Lonnie Walker. I mean, he comes in, he's instant offense. I think he's had double digits in every single game he's played in off the bench. He saw some run in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I, I just, I look at, you know, um, I look at the the way that Vaughn is rotating and playing, you know, guys uh, in terms of minutes in the fourth quarter and crunch time. And at some point, if I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, it's just human. He's going to get frustrated. He's going to be like, I'm one of the top five players on this team. I got to be in there. I got a question. Three minutes left in this game. Yeah. Got a question for you. Do you think the reason why he's maybe not getting any fourth quarter minutes and he's kind of uh, being kind of shoehorned into this role is because they know that they're going to be moving on? So they're like, fuck it. We don't want this guy to be put into a role that's so important that when we have to trade him, it's going to be hard to replace that role. We'd rather have him just be a cat and shoot three guy because then we could just put uh, uh, Marnie Brooks in to be a catch and shoot guy in the corner. It's easy to replace a catch and shoot guy. Very hard to replace a second unit point guard. I think it's that. I think it's the emergence of Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker, who are two guards who have taken minutes from Spencer Dinwiddie. Look, I, I like the signing of Lonnie Walker. I don't think anyone could have predicted he would be a, you know, a six-man-of-the-year candidate. It's Royce O'Neal, who who apparently is now Jacques Vaughn's security blanket. Vaughn was raving. I, I guess so. You're oh. right. But I, I just I, – I don't know. That, like, he was a ball see, handler last year, Spen. He was playing like point guard sometimes. Like, come on. So that's another guy who's in there. In the, he was in there in the fourth quarter for a play. I think they might have uh, – he was in there for a second. But that's another guy that's taking minutes from Dinwiddie. So at one point, Pete, or at some point, you just have too many cooks in the kitchen. And Dinwiddie be, – we, we talked about this before the season started. He becomes the odd man out. And that's sort of what we're seeing despite his plus minus, despite the fact that he has – you know, outside of Ben Simmons, Dinwiddie has one of the higher basketball IQs on this team. He might have the second highest yeah. basketball. You know, last season he was averaging over over nine, ten assists a game for a certain stretch. So tough because with so many guys on this team, we're a deep team. You're going to see guys not get run in the fourth quarter, and it sucks that it was a guy who's one of your favorite players. He's a guy that I share my first name with, and um, – he's 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 one of the more outspoken guys on this Nets team. And guess what, Pete? Dariq Whitehead's going to come in eventually. That's mm. the guy who can score the ball. So y- you just look at it, and it makes sense. If we're going to make moves to sort of bolster our front court, which has been an issue, Giannis absolutely ate. You know, no Claxton, no yeah. Cam Johnson yesterday. It didn't matter if Dayron Sharp or DFS or, or Ben Simmons, whoever was down there, Giannis ate. And as, as good of a job as we want to commend Ben Simmons, you know, for doing on defense, for, for making Giannis work X, Y, and Z, he still had 36 and 12. Yeah. I think they doubled him a lot. Uh, I gotta, I gotta look it up. I think someone had like the exact line, like Ben Simmons versus uh, Giannis and whatnot. Uh, I'll go look that up in a couple minutes, but, uh, but yeah, man. One thing I did want to talk about before we move on, do you believe Dennis Smith Jr. should be uh, getting any more minutes? Because he had a horrid game. He played 11 minutes. I think it was like minus was like minus 14 or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, 11 minutes, minus 14, one assist, and he scored two points. 
There's another guy who eats into Dinwiddie's minutes. Why, if Dinwiddie isn't going to be the point with that first unit, why he wouldn't be the point with that second unit doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That you know that that game. I'm looking at the bench, right? That game could have used Trendon Watford. We could have used some Harry Giles minutes, who we have not seen this season. Why did we sign him if we're not going to play him? That kind of bothers me. Armani Brooks is a guy who could have came in, gave him some scoring. You know uh, that that we we were up ten in that third quarter. It was our second unit that got torched. Um, and I think Cam Thomas was playing with that second unit and he went cold for a period of time. The guy scored 45 points. He can't score every single bucket for the net. So, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. I, I don't know if I have a problem with his minutes, but I have a problem with the players that he's taking minutes from. And that's my issue. I don't think he's been terrible out there. He's had some good moments in that, in that Chicago game. He was huge. He had some big time shots in that Chicago game. Um, but I don't think you need to play him if you have guys like Dinwiddie and Lonnie Walker and Royce O'Neal who can all handle the ball. I like him, but uh, I was just interested on your take with that because a lot of people are like wanting to send them out. I like yeah, the no, defense, I'm, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he'll get going. I think I think he's hit some Too shots. Early. He does. He does take a few shots where you're like, but you know, you're the fifth. He, he's usually going to be the fourth or fifth best scoring option when he's mm-hmm. out there. So if there's a possession where he just touches the ball and shoots it, you're kind of, and he's not wide open. That's you're looking at that. Like, eh, maybe give up the rock for a sec. Um, yeah. On the buck side of things, by the way, Middleton only had 15 points, but he had some clutch buckets throughout this game. Some really clutch buckets in that fourth quarter. Like you said, Lillard had 21. It was not a great 21. He was 15. five. Of, I don't yeah, think he did a good job. Listen, my hot take. I, I don't think he's checked in. I don't think he likes it in Milwaukee. Uh, defensively, him and was it uh, Malik Beasley who who got the no who who got this yeah Malik Beasley yeah. those those two defensively are not a, a good defensive backcourt and the fact that Mikhail and Cam just torched them kind of made sense. They've been giving up a you lot know, of points on defense. I don't know if you saw that their first couple games, Milwaukee. I mean, the game before we had block. to go up against we had to go up against Holiday and Jalen Brown. One of the better defending backcourts in the league. This game we go up against, you know, Lillard and Beasley. Um, and then also, I, I just wanted to point this out. The Bucks had five, I'm sorry, four players who were in double figures off the bench. Cameron Payne, 11 points for him. He killed us. Connaughton Crowder. had 10. Crowder had 11 points. Payne. I'm sorry, fi- 15 points for Crowder. Bobby Portis had 11 points. And Connaughton had 10 points. So overall, what is that? 22 plus 15 uh, that's 37 plus 10. That's 47 points from their bench. And the Nets only got 37 points. So that the Bucks outscored the Nets bench by 10 points. Um, that was tough. It, it felt like every time campaign basically outplayed Damian Lillard in, in terms of like Lillard had 21 points in 34 minutes. Campaign had 11 points in 16 minutes. I don't know. Too many, too many threes, man. Crowder, I felt like was open half the time. And listen, I think some of that is because Giannis is such a focus on defense. But like, well, yeah, a lot know. of the threes you're talking about were when Giannis was getting doubled. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's tough. Pick your poison. I like the way we competed. Um, again, this was the third game we lost that was super close, and we got beat by a superstar. It is what it is. You know, you, you, like I said, you can't blame Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges. They made the plays that needed to be made. 
You needed Dorian Finney-Smith to make a shot. You, you, you needed Ben Simmons to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. It happens. We move on. Let's let's go all the way back, Pete, to that game. Our, you know what? It was the first in tournament or in season tournament game. It was our big win against the Chicago Bulls, one hundred nine, one hundred seven. Um, really, really close game in the fourth quarter. Uh, a wild sequence of events. So Mikhail Bridges, he finished with 20 points, but he hit some 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 clutch free throws down the stretch. He did miss one out of two to keep the door open for Chicago. Uh, they go to the line down three. Who was it? Was it Levine who went to the line? Yeah, right. Levine makes so. the first. It, yeah, it was Zach Levine makes the first. So they go down two with three seconds left. Four four seconds, I believe. Misses the second shot. Ball in the air, and he missed it on purpose. Ben Simmons has a chance to go up and grab this ball. Why he taps this ball out, I will never for the life of me understand. Why anybody taps out the ball when there's more than 1.5 seconds left? Either grab the ball or 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 hit it out of bounds. But to tap it back out, if, you know with all the plays that run through my mind, you remember the famous Robert Ori three? Uh, I think it was the Lakers against the Kings all those years back. Miss free throw, tap out, Ori three, history, Lakers win the series, go on to win the championship. The tap out never works. But not so only that, like the way that he yeah. tapped it out, it was like perfectly to him. It's just like he was trying to pass it to him. It was ridiculous. You're also you're also only yeah, it just it didn't make any sense. So he taps it out, it goes right to Zach Levine. Levine takes a step back three. He misses. The Nets win the game by two. Um, gritty win on the road. First in-season tournament win. Uh, what you liked about this game, Pete, it was a pretty balanced scoring effort all around. Uh, DFS was your high man with 21 points in this game, five of nine from three. Mikhail Bridges, I mentioned, had 20 points. Cam Thomas, off-shooting night, 17 points for him on six of 18 from the field. Lonnie Walker came in off the bench, give you gave you 11 points, and Dinwiddie finished with 10 points and nine assists. So, you know, what were some takeaways from this game against the Chicago team? Who it's a lot of a lot of talk about them. They had a players only meeting after their first game of the season. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of turmoil in that locker room in terms of what might happen next. Uh, this was kind of a game that the Nets needed to win. You know, with the next two games against the top two teams in the East. But what did what did you think of this uh, victory from your BK Nets? Uh, another game that could have been won or lost by literally a possession or two. It's nice to get these types of wins because when you look back at the end of the year, there's always going to be a game or two that you you know said, "Oh man, we could have stolen that game." It would have been really depressing losing this game and then having to face Boston and Milwaukee. So, like you said, kind of a must win. Uh, I thought Dayron Sharp did a very good job. 15 minutes, he had six points, it was a plus eight, and he had 10 rebounds. I feel like we're seeing him finally like have these little flashes here and there. And uh, I don't know if the in-tournament thing is, the hype is real or not, but I, I'm, I'm in, man. I'm excited. I love it. I love what it. Did, what did you think of the court, the, the bright red Chicago Bulls I court? love it. Everyone hated it. I love it. It's just so different. Uh, listen, the all red. Yeah, we got we got to get rid of that. But the Nets court looks nice. I, I like what the league did, but they kind of kind of messed up because 
fans have been wanting the NBA Finals logo, you know, the trophy at center court for years. I think almost everyone can agree with that. And instead of getting that, we get the in-season tournament trophy. But whatever, another story. I'm in for the in-season tournament. I was not buying it before. Now I'm in. And it kind of does add a little excitement to these games. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I I, I feel a little bit. Feels it does feel forced. forced. I, like I don't. I didn't like the court. I fucking hated the court. Just, I love. Give it. me the give me the normal basketball Are court. Don't. That's why it was hurting my eyes, bro. Come on, listen. I don't. Oh, I don't you wear old? cool. I don't wear cool old? glasses like you, bro. I, I I gotta get glasses now to watch a fucking basketball game. Come on, man. Like like just just hey, have well, the court normal. Let's roll with glasses. You're able to see the court better. It doesn't bother your eyes as much. Whatever. You're boring. That's what it is. You suck. I don't like change. Listen, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> when when something isn't broken, don't fix it. The NBA is one of the most popular leagues in the country outside of the NFL. People go to games. They're going to watch. Like Basketball doesn't have the same problems that baseball had. Baseball had to do shit like implement a timer for the pitcher and 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 bring the long ball back. And, and you know, if, if uh, yeah. Manfred is listening, bring steroids back because everyone liked baseball a lot better when everyone was juicing. Basketball doesn't need those changes. We don't Listen, need a four a four point line. We don't need a fucking colorful blue and yellow and orange basketball court. Would you like it if the winner of the tournament automatically got a bid into the postseason? How would you feel? No, about that? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think the whole thing is stupid. Why are you? Why are you getting? Uh, why are you getting a bid to the playoffs in the first twenty games of the season? Because it's a it's a reward for winning in this fucking bullshit that's made up. Okay, like, Pete, but let's let's Pete. the All Star game. The winner of the All Star game in baseball would have home field in the World Series. Feels like some sort of like that sort of shit. I love that. By I'm the saying. way, I think that's epic. So no, how do I, you like Tampa like this? I don't like this because this is in the very beginning of the season. So if a team wins the tournament, they can go. Oh, for the next 60 whatever games, and they still get a playoff bid. So in the MLB All-Star game, you have players that aren't going to be playing for a winning team that won't probably won't even make the playoffs, but that deserves to affect the World Series. I you know, it's it's very it's it's very funny you brought this up because I had this debate the other day. I'm not gonna be able to find it, but I had this debate, and the reason I like it is because it's incentive for all the guys in the all-star game to play hard. And in basketball, are you kidding? If you said, hey, East versus West, whoever wins that game gets home court advantage, you don't think that everyone would bust their ass like no, crazy? If I, no, absolutely not. If I'm playing for a shit team and this guy's going super hard, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going anywhere this year. My team sucks. I'm the lone, I'm the lone star of the team, and I'm not going to get fucking hurt. Get me out of here, man. I got a contract year coming up. I... Listen, I, I disagree. I, I don't think that that would be the mentality. I think the mentality would be, oh, shit, I'm playing with some of the best players in the league. Even if I'm on a shit team, maybe I want to go to Dallas next year. Maybe I want to go to L.A. and play with LeBron. Let me show him what I can do in a meaningful game. I 100% think that if you want to incentivize guys to play hard in the All-Star games, make those games mean, mean something. But this in-season tournament to do a playoff berth would be so bad because if you give that team that wins a playoff berth, then they can they, they can literally have a losing record by 20 games, but they still get the eighth seed or they still get a chance at the play-in. 
That's, yes, that's because ridiculous. if they slept that badly, then that means they just went they went through a fucking miracle to get Correct. out of their division and a tournament win. So that Correct. means they 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 earned something. I understand what you're saying. You make a good point. If it was later in the season, if it made it to yeah. the halfway point, how would you feel? Much differently. Much differently. I could take that. I could accept that. Much differently. I I would one hundred. Yeah. I, I just I I don't I don't like that mm-hmm. idea. But again, look, it's the NBA trying to get more eyeballs. It is what it is. You know, it's it's this is all experimental. It's not like we're gonna have this for ten years. It's gonna be the exact same. I just if you're gonna if you're going to make it an automatic playoff bid, I I would say make it later in the year or 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 just change it up. But I I don't like the idea of like within the first ten games if a team goes on a run because we we've seen a lot of teams start off the year great that end up fizzling out. I agree. Um. That's fair. We talked about Milwaukee. We talked about Chicago. I did want to talk about the Boston loss really, really quickly uh, as, as we have a few more, more segments for the end of the show. So the Nets played the Celtics. That game was on Saturday, I believe. And we lost that game 124 to 114. Um, I liked how we competed in this game. This was... This was one of those games. The Celtics had everyone except for Derek White. We had we were down three starters because Ben Simmons rested for this game. It was the second night of a back-to-back. We had played Chicago on Friday. Uh, this was the game on Saturday. Cam Thomas bounced back from his bad game against Chicago. He had 27 points to lead the way for Brooklyn. Uh, two second leading scorers were Dinwiddie and Mikael Bridges with 19 points. Uh, Lonnie Walker had 13 off the bench. Dayron Sharp had 11 off the bench, and, and Dorian Finney-Smith had 14 points um, in in the starting five spot. Uh, what I liked about this game, the Nets competed hard for three and a half quarters. This was a game in the fourth. We had our chances. Too much Jason Tatum. Too much Jalen Brown. Too much Drew Holiday. Kristaps Porzingis came up big for the Celtics. Uh, it, it's tough to beat this Boston team when they're rolling offensively, Jalen Brown, Porzingis and Tatum all had more than 20 points. Tatum finished with 32 and then holiday had 18 points and 10 assists and nine rebounds. So a near triple double for drew holiday. Um, I liked how we competed. This was the game for me, Pete, where I called out Mikhail bridges because he had mm. he did not have a great game against Chicago. He, he, he had some, you know, some big moments in the fourth, but not a great game against Chicago. 19 points against the Celtics team. That was was never going to be enough. When you, ha- when you have Tatum going for 32, Jalen going for 23, and Zingas going for 22, if you are if you are the second or first guy on this Nets team, you got to give me more than 19. On And he was 7 to 20 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, uh, 6 points, 6 rebounds. Not a good game for him. And this was, this was when I went to Twitter and I started calling him out. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, Nets were down 12 at halftime. They could have just packed it in. Was it back to back? You're tired, right? But uh, I was very, very happy they came back. I think they had a 30 to 21 third quarter. Uh, Bridges put up seven points. Cam put up eight points. Dinwiddie put up 12 points. And it's nice to see games like this. You know, you're not really supposed to win these games, right? It's a back to back. Ben's out where you have. Two other starters out, and to show a sign of life against a team that could possibly win a championship, these are little things that they say, 
oh, we can build on. And I hate to say, oh, it's a, you know, uh, it's a moral win or whatever. We, you know, this guy did good, so it's great. I don't believe in that shit, but for a game like this, I, I really do believe it. If you could keep a game like this close, next time, keep it close, you win the fourth, we got a chance. And it shows how much talent this team does have when things are clicking. You're muted, my friend. I, I'm going to say exactly what I said while I was on mute, but I'm going to say it again, this time not on mute. Nice. I 100% agree with you. Uh, this was as close to a moral victory as it gets for me. Um, I think we run into this Celtics team last year. I think they blow us out of the fucking water. Yeah. Uh, they, they kill. And I'm talking about that second half Nets team where we already had bridges and camp and everything. I yeah, don't yeah. think this Nets team last year lights a, holds a candle to the Celtics team. But the Nets with no Claxton, no Cam Johnson, and no Ben Simmons on the second half of the back-to-back, and we're able to c- compete with a Celtics team who hadn't played since Wednesday or Thursday, I gave him a lot of credit. Um, and you heard Jason Tatum after the game. He said to the media, he goes, like, we've been blowing teams out. The Celtics had been absolutely crushing teams for the Nets. He goes, this was a really good test for us. And the Celtics are looking like they might be the best team, not only in the East, but possibly in the NBA. So if the I Nets are so. a good if the Nets are a good test for the best team in the NBA and we're only 6 games in at this point, that's something you like to hear, you know, an MVP candidate talking about. Um, yeah, it is like a measure a measuring game, right? You would say. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. And and you know, in back-to-back games, Pete, we've played Porzingis and we've played Giannis. And those two guys have feasted. They feasted. Zingas had 22 on on 10 shots, eight of 10 from the field, one of two from three. So kind of, you know, if you're Sean Marks, juices are flowing in your brain. Obviously, Claxton's going to come back, so we're going to see what that looks like with with him defending the paint. But you might want to get some more rim protection throughout the year. I don't know. We'll see. Like uh, like you uh, apropos named this, uh, this episode – we're still kind of figuring out what the temperature of this team is. Is this a team that could, I could see this team being a fifth seed. If everybody gets healthy, Cam puts up, thir- you know, 25, 28 points a game. Mikel puts up 23 points a game. Cam Johnson puts up 18 points a game. Clax plays good defense. Ben and Clax could work together. I could see a little potential here. I really can. But then on the other end, I could also see them being in the lottery. We really don't know. It's too early, right? I gotta, be, I, I gotta I, say, it. it's true. I don't think I see them in the lottery. I really, I don't. can see I think, it very easy. I think they're gonna beat up on enough bad teams. They're gonna compete with good, good teams. They're gonna beat some good teams. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you this: in this game specifically, uh, Royce O'Neal. This was a terrible shooting game for Royce. Two of fifteen from the field. We're gonna get these games from Royce, like in this game, and then from DFS in, in the Bucks game. Uh, you take the good with the bad. Um, that was really it. It was funny. The The Celtics bench is so bad this year. Derek White is the only guy who, who you can kind of look at from the bench and say, huh, he's a legitimate NBA player. I like uh, Pritchard. I talking, you don't like Peyton Pritchard? Not really anymore at, at this point. He's done nothing so far, and I think Celtics fans are kind of done with him. Uh, it was funny. So I have a, a good buddy from Massachusetts. Shout out to my boy, uh, Cliff. And he watches every Celtics Celtics game. And he talked, I said, yo, you, you, your bench, as bad as they were, Luke Cornett came in and killed us. And he's like, oh, Cornett, you know, not, he's not my favorite. 
Cornette came in, scored 11 points on of five on five of five from the field. I was like, I just, I just saw that. I'm like, how can you, how can you, uh, how can you kill Cornette for coming in and, and not missing a shot? 11.7 rebounds in 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, just, just overall good test, good game. I, I don't agree with you that they're going to be a lottery team. Um, no, I said it could be, they could be not saying that. Yeah. They but are. again, that then yeah. you're covering all your bases with that. I, that's of such course. a it's true no though. no but it's, it's true yeah okay time out, time out you're you're from a probability standpoint we can win the championship there is a Absolutely. small probability that's what of I'm that. saying. <laughs> no you can't that's not an opinion Pete. i'm that's not just... i'm not taking a take i'm saying where i could see the team i could see it falling through from anywhere to here to there that's what i'm saying okay and realistically i if 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 we are anything worse than an eighth seed this year i think we failed you should ask me what I think they're going to do, not where I think it could land possible. Well, well, based on about, based on the range. You remember math, right? Yeah. Mean, median, range. If you gave me the range of four seed and lottery, I'm gonna assume that where you think they land is the seventh or eighth seed. You gave me a range of of where the nets can be. So I'm saying you said fourth seed, and then you said lottery, right? That's your range. So I'm saying somewhere in the median is the eighth, the eighth seed. You with me? I would say is that uh, well, where like pick a middle. Uh, I, I'd say uh, I'd say seventh seed. Seventh seed. Okay. Okay. All right. I think that's fair. Um, and again, we're seven games in. Like you said, there's everything. We know nothing. Very early. But but don't don't come to me and say, well, here's here's the the very best. Here's the very worst. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear here's where say we're what at. You want, bro. Here's where we're going. Asking you shall receive. When are Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton getting back? Do we have any sort of updates there? Uh, I think Clax is going to be out for a while. Think, did they I, say four to five weeks? I could I might be getting that wrong. No, they, they, they keep saying day to day. They, they say day to day, but he, it was a high ankle sprain, which is not good. No, they say he's going to be out for a while. Oh, they did. What about I Cam thought, Johnson? I, I could be wrong because I, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I thought they said he's going to be out for a while. What about Cam Johnson? Do we have any word on him? Nope. A typical Nets. Positive. Yeah, I'm seeing. I'm not seeing anything. Out. He's out again Monday. Uh, he was out yesterday. They haven't. They haven't really given him a timetable to return. They like to play things close to the vest when it comes to injury stuff. Yeah. All right. Real fast before we end this uh, end this episode, um, I wanted to go take a trip down memory lane. As as longtime Nets fans, you know Pete and I both have moments where we were famous for a point in time. So Pete, I'm going to let you start. I want you to share your your trip down memory lane with the Brooklyn Nets. And, and before you do, I got to do the, the music. You ready? So, wow, I'm really in the moment now. So uh, I people may not know this. I just found this randomly. Uh, I guess what one of my favorite moments Nets related. Man, are you? You're not asking about a game related, right? No, I'm just. I'm. I'm talking about a moment in time where you felt like you were famous for being a Nets fan. Time that I have two. I have two, so I'm gonna give it very quickly. First time, one of my first, my first Nets game with my dad, all the way back in New Jersey. We had five dollars seats all the way upstairs. All of a sudden, uh, one of these ushers comes up to us. I'm wearing a Yankee jersey. My dad's wearing a Giants jersey. He goes, "I'm a Yankee fan and a Giants fan." Here are these tickets. 
there were upgraded seats to go all the way to the floor. And I sat a, literally a row behind the floor next to Jason Kidd's wife and TJ Kidd. I'm on, on the jumbo screen. I feel like a, like a celebrity. I got that story. And then the one that I think you want me to tell a little bit more is uh, opening day a couple years ago. I got interviewed by the Nets. And they actually used my uh, they used my interview as part of commercials. And at my job, I had people telling me like, "Was that you on TV?" And yes, had it running for like four or five months. And uh, you know, I felt felt like a star. You know what I mean? Because I am a star. You are a star, and I remember that commercial. And specifically, I remember seeing you. And <laughs> yeah, thinking, right. One day, me and this kid are gonna host a Nets podcast together. When were you a star, my friend? The year was 2004 the nets had traded for vince carter he was doing a signing uh, i was i guess it was right after the 04 season right because they lost that year in the playoffs to the pistons um he was doing a signing at the nba store uh we had tickets i went i got my ball signed there's a funny kind of caveat where the i the same basketball was signed by richard jefferson like a few years ago when jefferson was a rookie <laughs> And Carter sees the, the signature and he turns to his bodyguard and he kind of looks at him and smirks as if like, this kid already gave me a ball that's already signed. What's going on? Mm. But he signs it. You know, after that, the NBC uh, news crew was there. They were interviewing kids. And as a 10-year-old kid, I went straight to the microphone and I said, this is the greatest day of my life. They played that clip on NBC. I want to pay and, to see that. I and whoever see. whoever the anchor was at the time, he goes, I guess he liked it. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's my famous Nets memory. Uh all right. That was a fun Let trip. I gotta do the music smile. to get us. I gotta do the music Love to it. get us out. All right. Love it. So next up, we have the Clippers on Wednesday. That's tomorrow. So, you know, we get basketball back tomorrow. And uh, real fast, Doug Norrie, who hosts the Locked the Lo was it Locked In podcast, Locked, locked on Out, Nets. Locked On Nets. He said the Nets, according to ESPN, are projected to be forty five and thirty seven and finish with a sixth seed. Wow, very interesting. That that. ESPN is buying into the Brooklyn Nets stock. Uh, all right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete. We appreciate you guys. Tune in next week to another awesome episode of Fireside Nets. And uh, as always, catch you on the Fireside.